You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Brad Jones. Hey, I'm very uh, humbled and honored to get to preach God's Word to you. And it's a responsibility and an opportunity that I do not take lightly. And I uh, pray that God would use our time together to encourage you and to encourage me. And I, I come with high expectations today. High hopes, I know some of you are here maybe for the first time or listening, watching for the first time, but many of us are here often or every single week and very familiar to have our pastor, one of the pastors come up and teach God's word, but I don't want us to forget the power of what is happening. And today we're gonna be talking in this certainty series about the voice of certainty. It's a voice that's available to every single one of us and we need some certainty, don't we, in this life called chaos. Anybody living in a season of chaos right now and you're like, I need some sure things. Specifically, I wanna talk about at the beginning seven words that I believe can change your life. Seven words. I was trying to think about some life-changing statements in this seven words, and quickly I was like, um, will, you, will you marry me? Um, is my counting right? That's, not, that's life-changing, but it's not seven. Um, we just won the lottery. Anybody wanna say those words? Um, I just wanna think of seven. We are going to have a baby. Anybody said that? Can I get an amen for parents? That is life-changing in the best and sometimes most frustrating ways. Don't let Caleb and Addie hear that. But seven words in scripture that Peter said. Chandler's gonna hang with me for a couple minutes, but we're gonna pray before we really open God's word. He said seven words. It was his first interaction with Jesus. Jesus was teaching on the water and Jesus was using his boat, this is Luke chapter five, uh, as a way to be out in front of a lot of people so he could share the word, the teaching, the message from heaven through the son of God with the people. And then after he was done preaching, he looks at Peter and said, let's go fishing. And Peter looks at him and be like, dude, you gotta be crazy because there's no fish to be caught out there. I'm a professional fisherman. I know what I'm doing. I've been preaching, I've been teaching, or fishing, what's the word I'm looking for? I've been fishing all night. And there, there is no fish to be caught. Why would you tell us to go fishing? Who are you that you think you know better than me how to fish? But Peter said seven words. And it changed his life. Luke chapter five says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And here's the seven words. But because you say so, I will. But I know I have a different opinion. I know I have a different viewpoint. I know I think I got all the answers. I know I think I got it right. I know I think I know what I'm doing. I see something about you, Jesus. There, there seems to be an authority on your life, something different on your life. And I'm faced with the decision on how to live, how to operate. But 
because you say so, I will. My question today is who's got the authority in your life? What voice are you listening to? What voice is the standard? Are you trusting, is it your own voice? Is it the voice of a friend, a parent? There's some good voices that we can surround our, ourselves with, but there's only one voice that is certain and it will never fade and it is sure and steady. So my question today as I'm gonna preach is how do we get to that place that you and I, we don't always see it, we don't always understand it, doesn't always make sense. We might not even always agree with it and for crying out loud, it's not always gonna be comfortable. But when we, when we hear the voice of God, when we read the word of God, we will say, because you say so, I will. Let's pray together. God, I pray today that you would use me to help us, maybe people on a journey not yet knowing you, people that are very new in the faith or people that have been following you and loving you and living for you and knowing your word for years and years and years. Help us today know that your voice is certain and what you say will come to pass and nothing can stop or thwart what you put into motion by your word. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all say, Amen, amen, amen. Can you all help me thank Chandler for making me sound a little bit better? We're gonna, we're gonna jump around to a bunch of scriptures so I can help you have confidence that it's worth you saying those seven words and living by the word of God. Again, we're talking about the power of the word of God. Anybody believe God's word has power? Anybody grateful for the word of God this morning? But come on, I'll, you don't have to clap and call yourself out, but does anybody need a little refresher and a reminder that we have God's word and his word is good and his word has value in our lives, not just to get us saved, but also to help us live and be who he's created us to be? There's so many voices, right? There's, there's chaos in life. There's volume and pressure and people's opinions and just noise coming from all different directions. It reminds me of a, a couple, about uh, last weekend, uh, one of our, Brittany and I were going on a date. It'd been a little bit crazy season. We hadn't been on a date in like three days. I mean, I take her on dates all the time. I'm just that kind of guy. No, it's been a while since we've been on a date. So I'm like, I got the reservation. I'll sort out a babysitter and we're gonna go on a date. Typically just husbands, this is for free. I, sometimes if we're like in a tense season of life, I just have to say the words, I wanna take you on a date. And that like buys me a couple more days, like makes her smile. I don't even have to go pay for that. I just have to say, I want to take you on a date. But we're going on a date and um, about 15 minutes before we were gonna leave, we get a call from our amazing babysitter that says she got in a wreck. She wasn't hurt but it was obviously a little bit scary and it was dark and it was not too far from our house. So we immediately got in the car. We went over there to sit, figure out the situation. Is she okay? How can we help? Single girl on the street, we, we need to show up. 
Well, they're, they're in the middle of a four-lane road and that neither car had moved. And immediately I realized we got some issues because I'm going, you okay? You good? What happened? Then I go talk to the other person in the vehicle. I'm like, you okay? You good? Can I get a picture of your license and insurance? And he's like, no, 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 no. Not till the cops get here. And I'm like, oh, we're about to have a debate. We're about to have some differing of opinions. Anybody been there? In my mind, I typically always get frustrated that people don't move their car, but in this moment, I'm like, don't move your car. It is very clear what happened. We're gonna just stay right here and hang out until the cop hears your word on this story, and it's just very clear to me what's gonna, how it's all gonna sort out. Well, then the chaos keeps building. Um, we didn't move the cars, took a while for them to get there, and so traffic starts backing up, and on a Saturday night at eight o'clock, people were not pumped to be on, in a traffic jam on Lindbergh Drive. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm holding my hat down high so people don't know it's the pastor of Passion City Church, but I'm like, we ain't moving. And then uh, people, other people showed up, our friend's dad shows up, the other cars, friends and family show up, the traffic is bad, people are honking, another actually small wreck happened right next to us because of the chaos. And the poor cop shows up, and she's got voices in her head trying to decide which one is right, and I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna win this thing. I'm gonna convince them. And I wasn't even there, right? And so it was somebody's word against somebody else's word and then all of our opinions. And I'm like, this is how you and I walk through life with so many inputs, so much noise, so many people's opinions, so many people and things and world and culture saying, this is who you should be. This is how you should live. This will be what makes you happy. This is what will satisfy you. This is what's best for you. How, how do we know? How do we know whose voice to listen to? Is there any such thing as a voice of certainty? Well, I'll submit to you, and you're in church, I know you're not gonna be surprised, but I believe it is this word that we need to live by. It is this word that we need to cling to. It is this word that has life and power and deserves to be the authority. But just like Peter on because you say so, I just can't, it's not just you and me being like, well, that guy said it and so I'm just gonna do it. It's like, we need to see for ourselves that this word is true. This word is good. This word has power. And before I get into a little visual presentation to help you remember that, I just want to stop and say, even to a bunch of Christians, not everybody, it's like, how awesome is it that God has spoken to us? How awesome is it? I know online, people are like standing up, like raising their hands, like, come on, pastor. You're right. How awesome is it that God has spoken to us. God, was that sincere from their heart or did I make them do that? God wants you and I to know him, to know who he is to know his character, to know his heart. This isn't a book of, of rules or just some information that we should study and we should be familiar with. No, this is revelation. God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves, opening up the eyes of our heart so that we could know him. 
Because without him moving towards us, we could never move towards him. Without him opening our eyes, we could never see. So we have a God who spoke and is still speaking through his word. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When he created Adam and Eve in his image in the garden, what was happening? Yes, God spoke the heavens and earth into being, but then he started speaking to Adam and Eve. From the very beginning, he wanted to have a relationship, a friendship, and God always has to initiate because he is unlike us. He is other. He is our maker. He's our creator. We're in his image, but he initiated by by speaking. And then through the whole Old Testament, right, it's the prophets who had the word of the Lord inspired by God, the mouthpiece of God, where he could tell his people about his plans and his purposes. And he was revealing and he was making himself known through his word. You get into Hebrews, I won't turn there, but Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, it says that back in the day, God spoke through his prophets, but now he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus, who is the exact representation of God's glory. God, through Jesus, was speaking. And then a a, a critical passage for you to know is 2 Timothy. I would turn there or definitely write it down and go look at it later. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's see who wins. Okay, here we go. I got there first. Sorry, I'm real competitive. I knew where we were going. I was ready. I had a head start. But Paul, by the way, who's living in chaos. He's being persecuted. He's being beaten. He's being betrayed by people close to him. Nero is in charge of Rome. He's the emperor. And he's having Christians persecuted all over the known world. He's writing to Timothy, who's the pastor in Ephesus. So Paul left Timothy in place, his son in the faith, to say, hey, you lead the people. You keep preaching the word. Timothy writes them in tears because it is a very tough season because people, Christians are being made an example of, being burned alive. They're trying to annihilate the faith. And his encouragement to the chaos, Paul's encouragement, was all about the word. And it says, but as you... As for you, verse 14, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. That's the process that we're all on. We're learning the scripture and we're we're seeking to be more and more convinced of it. And I believe that is possible. I believe that is true. That has happened in my life. Because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. I I just want to pause there for a minute. Because I, I don't know about you, I take this for granted. And some of you, this is brand new to you. And you're like, I don't even know if I believe that that's the that Bible is the word of God. But I even love that Paul says it's the, the holy scriptures. And here at 515 earlier, we sang holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, right? That's what the angels are saying as they revolve around the throne of God. It's used three times, but here it's like, the, this is set apart. This is different, Let's not let just be this book that collects dust over in our corner or something that we feel like we have to read to show everybody we're a good Christian or every time we read it, we're gonna at least Instagram about it so we, people really know we read our Bible. No, the holy scriptures given by God. When you wake up in the morning or you go to bed and I go, what a privilege to have these words, this voice of certainty that is set apart, that is different 
said, you know the holy scriptures were, which are able, here's their purpose, to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Or another translation would be profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, not fun words, but all intended by God for our good. Training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. They're profitable. These words, they're for your good. They are the best. And what's the best part about them is it's the breath of God. That all scripture is, what did I say? God breathed. Breath on a page is how we should say it. And so we're not looking at opinions of man. We're just not looking at historical facts. We're looking at the revelation of God that he has breathed out for you and me. So when we come to his word, it's breath on a page. The maker of heaven and earth, by whom and through whom all things were created, has breathed out so you and I could have revelation. Why Christians why people do we, do we approach this so half-heartedly? So been there, done that. So callous to its power. What will it take for you and I to drown out the voices saying this way or that way or You're, this is right, this is right? No, I wanna hear. I wanna know the voice of God and I have it through his word. Let, we can be certain about a couple things. Let's go to Psalm 19. Y'all still with me? You better be, because we got an hour and a half left. I'm really just getting started. Some of you are like, is he being serious? Psalm 19, one of the anchor passages about the word of God. And I want to just give you a couple of, I want to look at a couple of those so you and I can be reminded or see for the first time about the goodness, the greatness, the certainty of God's word, God's revelation, God's voice. And um, uh, to do that, I figured I, I would give some visual pictures. Are any visual learners in the house? Like, you're okay, great. We're all back to like second grade here. Like we need pictures. I kind of feel like I'm about to do a magic trick. Y'all want to see me do a magic trick? It's the biggest amen I got from you all day, Aaron. Come on. Okay, I'm not a magician, but I'm like, there's, okay, I'll just like pull all this off at one time. Like, voila. Thank you. Some visual pictures. I'll start with the San Pellegrino. Any sparkling water people in the house? Anybody think that it's just all like overrated and it's like a waste of extra money and you're like, Tap water is the best water, you high maintenance people. You're nodding at me, Mike. Like spigot water. Spigot water. Who uses the word spigot anymore? <laughs> is that what you do when you order at a restaurant? Can I have some spigot water, please? Anybody thirsty? You, you, my voice is hurting a little bit. Just one second. Hold on. So good, isn't it, Christian? Speaking of the biggest LaCroix fan in our church, that would be Christian Stanfield right over there. What would be your favorite flavor? Passion fruit. That's appropriate at Passion City Church. So thank you for that. Just take one more drink right here. So refreshing. 
We might have to pay San Pellegrino for the appearance during the talk. We should have taken the label off. But <laughs> the word of God isn't just good advice. Isn't just like helpful hints. Psalm, one, Psalm 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. Anybody experience, experience that in your life? That when you come near the word of God, the revelation of God, it feels like your soul is refreshed, your soul is restored when chaos abounds, when anxiety weighs down, when confusion and uncertainty and pressure and stress, and you got voices and you don't know, you're talking to so many people and you're just like, no, I'm gonna get with the Lord. I'm gonna read his word and you feel like the refreshing drink of a cool sandwich. Pellegrino comes on your soul this is the promise of God we can be certain that God's word refreshes our soul so why do you and I turn to every other opinion or every other news source or every other viewpoint when we when our souls are in tension when we're wrestling within, when it says God's word, and we've seen it for our own life, refreshes our soul. His law is perfect, or another way to say it, his law is complete. And his word refreshes, restore, or a different translation would say converts, the King James Version. Anybody reading King James Version up in here? It converts the soul. And that's important to remember, because God is not simply after your behavior. He did not give us that just so we could not do certain things and start doing other things. He did not speak and breathe and reveal just so we could have some cool verses to memorize and impress other people with. No, he came with his word to restore our soul. When Jesus was teaching, there was a, a time he started saying some harder things, more challenging things. People weren't sure if they agreed with him. And it says many of the people that were following him left. And then he looked at his disciples. He says, well, what about you? Are you leaving too? And the disciples' answer was, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. So I don't know what voice you're going to, who you're listening to, but I do believe there's only one whose words have the source of eternal life. It says in Romans 10, thank you. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. There's only one word that can refresh your soul. And chaos and pressure is gonna come after you. Heartache and suffering is gonna come your way. Life's not gonna be easy, but you have the word. And it can refresh and sustain and restore and strengthen you. It says also in verse seven, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You got any dog fans in the house, Georgia Bulldogs? Huge win against Charleston Southern yesterday. I mean, I just wanna say congratulations. The mighty SEC powerhouse played the Big South four and six team, Charleston Southern. Wouldn't you have wanted to be in the locker room before the game, be in the like Charleston Southern locker room? Anybody would have wanted to be that? And the, and the boy, the coach has to get up and give a speech and you're at Sanford Stadium and you're about to play the dogs and you know you have zero chance to win. I just wonder if the Charleston Southern coach got up there and like, guys, I believe that we can win this game. Did, did he say that? 
I hope not because they had zero shot. There is actually no way you're gonna win this game. I would say if he said that his words were not trustworthy. Maybe he didn't. He's like, just try your best and we'll hopefully not get injured. Maybe that's what he said. Like, That's trustworthy, you know? But this word, you can count on it. You can bank on it. It is trustworthy. And, and you and I, our word isn't trustworthy. We, we don't know which way is right, which way is left. In and of ourselves, we can't do the right thing and go the right way and know what's best for you and me. Back to our illustration table based on our game show. It, it's like you and I, God's word, we need to see it. But you know what this is? No? Okay, a lot of designers in the house. It's called a T-square, people. Only reason I know that is because I'm married to an interior designer. The artist, people are creating. They need to design something specific into detail. They just can't depend on their own efforts and ability and experience to draw straight lines. And like my wife, you're, if you're designing buildings for commercial cl clients, they're expecting there to be straight lines and things to be measured correctly. Or you could use a level or a plumb line. This would be what we could see the word of God as. Instead of doing it on our own, what do we think's best? What do we think's right? What feels good in this moment? What do we like want temporarily? It's like our perspective is so finite, temporary. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Why would we resist God's standard? God's instruction that helps us live the way we were created to live. Find satisfaction in the things that can, the only the things that can satisfy our soul. Why, why do we resist God trying to help you and I live the life he wants us to live? This was given to us on our wedding day by Pastor Louis, and I think it's a great, great word. It says in Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. If you, come to if you come to God's word, if you let him teach you, you let him be your authority, you let his be the voice of certainty in your life, you can trust it. It will make wise the simple. It he will build your house. It'll be like building it on a rock that when the storms come and when the winds blow, you will not be shaken. You will not be blown here and there, but you'll be steady and firm. Let him and his word build your house. Quickly, I can't go into all of it, but you could take a core class and dig even more. Some of you are like, well, well, why would we even know, Brad, that this is the word of God? But that requires so much faith to say that this is God's revelation through like a bunch of people on earth that he spoke to them and then they wrote it down. It's preserved for thousands of years and we should take this as the inerrant, infallible, trustworthy, sure word of God. And you're like, and I applaud you for asking that question. God's not afraid of you wondering and digging around and looking for some evidence. I would submit you know, the, the church um, leaders and the church fathers from decades and centuries and thousands of years all along have always come around these things. If you want to have confidence in this word, you could talk about its internal consistency. I'll go through this quickly, but 66 books, 40, 40 plus authors, 
over 1,500 years, it's consistent. Same God it talks about, same plan of creation, same problem of sin, same plan of salvation, same hope, same future. Over 1,500 years, all these authors are talking about the same thing, it's internally consistent. The manuscripts are reliable. Plato, Homer, none are as reliable as the early manuscripts and as accurate now based on what happened 2,000 years ago and even longer written. None are as accurate as the Bible. None have been more vetted and none have been proved to be more true and accurate. The manuscripts, the thousands of manuscripts are reliable, crazy reliable on the charts and on the scale. Historical accuracy. There's real people in here, real places, real events in history. And the more people study it, it's not the more they prove it's wrong, they actually, the more they prove it to be right. God willing, we'll get to go back to Israel as a church and as a movement, but you go to these places and you can read outside sources. These people and these events actually happened. It's historically accurate. Fulfilled prophecy. You read the Old Testament, and there's a foretelling of things to come. Well, over 300 of them have already been proven true through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The statistical odds of that happening are off the charts. We can't even comprehend it. Not only 300 of them, even just eight of them. It's been fulfilled prophecy. It just gives you and I confidence, not just to say blindly accept what the pastor says. No, this word has proven to be true. And then there were eyewitnesses, especially in the life of Jesus. Jesus appeared to over 500 people, but all the people that saw him hanging on the cross, all the people that were on the road to Emmaus or walking towards the empty tomb, scripture started circulating when those people were alive. If this word wasn't true, would it make it 2,000 years to Atlanta, Georgia, for you and I to be holding up as the standard by which we should live? It's proved to be accurate and trustworthy. And if you live by it, it makes wise the simple. It's worth living for. It's worth having the authority in the foundation of your life. We'll quickly go through a few more. God's word will bring joy to our hearts. That's what it says in verse eight of Psalm 19. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. I still got a few more uh, illustrations over there. What would bring y'all joy? What can I produce on that table? Y'all want that lamp? Will it bring you joy? Uh, anybody, what would bring you joy? Any, nobody, okay. I, I, I was thinking if my kids were here, they'd be saying candy. Like candy brings them so much joy and Halloween candy is still with us. I, I thought, I don't know what would bring you joy, but I was hoping somebody said some money. Would anybody want some, would that bring money? Would it bring you joy? No, but uh, Aaron, you want it? $40, would it bring you joy? Huh? You want a, like a $100 bill? Man, you're big time, man. Okay, all right, great. That'll bring you joy. All right, here you go, man. There you go. You gonna take that? No, you can have it. It'll bring you joy. I mean, I think joy is found in the Lord, but you should ask for more because I got 200 more right here. Anybody want 200? Okay, now you're responding. You're like, it's like, guys, money is not your source of joy. This is the point I'm trying to make. No, I'm can I have the hundred back? Seriously, I mean, God bless you. Can I have it back? Yeah, thank you. I don't, I, I don't know. Thank you. I better count it. 
Who said that? Y'all need to work that out. Brings joy to the heart. You don't want, you don't want to settle for happiness. You don't want to settle for momentary pleasure or circumstantial happiness. Because you know life isn't always easy. But it says the word and the precepts and the law of the Lord is right. And if you live by it, if you say yes to his word and what he wants for you and say no to the things he doesn't want for you, it, it produces in you a joy, a non-fleeting feeling of satisfaction and of grace and of purpose. And if you're asking me, Brad, how do you know God's word is true? Why would you say I should live by this? I know for me, I don't always get it right, but come on. I believe that every time I live by his word and I choose what God wants and I, I aim to know him more and to live the way he wants me to live, it produces an, a joy. Yeah. Doesn't mean everything's always easy, but it's a joy. We can be, we gotta go quick. It says, uh, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. We can be certain that God's word will light the darkness. Anybody feel like darkness surrounds you? Or you're walking through life, not sure which way to go, which way to turn. And it's like, man, I just, I just need to see clearly. Be like you and I trying to just bring the lights down. And it's without God's word, it's like you and I walking in darkness. Can bring the lights down if you don't mind, team. Without the word, this is how you and I are living. Without the knowledge of God, his purposes and his plans. It's like you and I trying to live life not knowing where we are going. But it says that God's word and God's light is radiant. And there's a switch in here somewhere, but I can't find it. <laughs> Don't you love the scripture that says God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus showed up, the prophecy was the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. It all makes sense. We can see more clearly. Doesn't mean that darkness isn't gonna be around us. Doesn't mean the darkness is gonna try to come in. Doesn't mean darkness is gonna become, not gonna become our companion, but we have, we have a light. And we might not see the whole journey. Pastor Louis talked last week. We might not get the full plan, but we have a light and a lamp. And sure, we wish it could be brighter sometimes, but you know what this light will do? It'll show me my next step. Might not get me to the back of the room, but it's what I need for today to know which way to go and to know what step to take and to keep me from running into what's right in front of me. Sure, we don't know what the future holds, but the lamp's gonna help us get there. His word's a lamp, a light. This world is darkness. It's not what you were made for, but you need the light. And then lastly, we can bring the lights back up. Anybody, okay, you're not nervous anymore. I was like, I'm gonna fall off this stage. <laughs> we can be certain that God's word will endure forever. We can be certain, the voice of certainty, that God's word will endure forever. It says the fear of the Lord is pure. It's all, again, talking about the decrees and the commands and the law of God, the word of God, it's pure and it will endure forever. The grass withers 
and the flower fades. The things on earth are temporary, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You can take it to the bank. You can count on it. So it's a little tricky, but come on, you and I, this is the way most of us treat the word of God. Come on, I know you're impressed. When, when I get up here and say, know the word, live by the word, listen to the voice of certainty. You're like, oh yeah, here goes the pastor telling me to read my Bible again. That's what we gotta do. We're not a good Christian unless we're reading our Bible. Let's wake up, let's check it off the list. You're like, it's just a bunch of rules. Don't like them. They're hard. Doesn't feel right. It's not what I want. I know it might be what I need, but come on, it's not what I want. Start doing that and I'm gonna start missing out. People start making fun of me. Gonna get marginalized at work. She's gonna break up with me. So I'm living by that word. I'm certain in that word. Well, if it's sure, if it endures, if it's true, if it's trustworthy, if it brings joy, if it brings life, then why are we carrying it around as a burden? Instead, we should just build our lives on it because it's steady and we can count on it and it's firm. You're building your life on something. Your voice, your opinion, their opinion, your boss's opinion, someone's instruction, what the world says you should be, what the world says you should look like, the, what the world says you should have. Build your life on the rock. What's steady, what is sure, what will endure, what will not fade, what will not falter. Word is good and it's for your best that God is speaking to say, know who I am, know how great I am and know all the good I have for you. Build your life on this word. There's a, a few practical takeaways. And these, I, I think there's a step for every single person in here. That's what I love about church, especially our church. And as anybody gets up here and speak, we're always aware of the fact that we're on all different steps and stages of this journey called faith and following Jesus. And, and it's a lot, I, I love that we're trying to encourage through the power of God, the Holy Spirit through his word, every single person in here. I, I think there's a step for you. I would encourage you. I, I don't know where you're at on the journey, but pick one of these steps and say, I'm gonna commit to that. That's the step for me. And for some of you, the first step is just read the word. How awesome would it be? How pumped would I be if the takeaway from this message a year from now is, Brad, I started reading the Bible. I didn't just show up at church to hear it. I just didn't li listen to a podcast. I went to my room, I got in my car, and I started reading this word for myself. Got a text earlier from somebody, he's like, I don't even know how to read the Bible. I know for many of us, it's like, we play a game, a little roulette, a little godly roulette, right? I know y'all are so holy. That's a gambling game, all right? I know you wouldn't be like, God, I need a word. I need some advice. I, need, I know I need to hear from you. So let's just see, you control the heavens. You can control this moment. 
nope, that's not what I needed. I have no idea what that says. Nope, like I don't wanna go too far back or I'll get in Leviticus and I'll just get weird, it'll just get. There's a lot, it can be overwhelming. You don't know where to start. Gospels are always a good place. Reading plans on the Bible app, but the best thing is just, just start reading it. Just start going through it. Uh, for me, even this year, I've been inspired by two people. One of somebody is very close to me for the first time they read through the Bible in the whole year. They said they had some questions. I'm like, so do I, but I'm real proud of you. You started reading the word. Another person who's a very close friend I look up to a lot and been with him a few times this year on overnight trips and every morning, he's got it all together from the world's perspective, but he beats me up and I come downstairs and there he is reading his word. I'm like, you've made it, you've got it. But yeah, he keeps coming back day by day. I wanna read this word, I wanna know it. So read the word would be a step for some of you. Get, ask for some help. See who can help you understand. Sign up for a core class. Get into a connect group. People that wanna help you know the word. But for some of you, don't just read the word, but meditate it, meditate and memorize the word. That's Psalm one, right? If we meditate on God's promise, we'll be like a tree planted by streams of water that will flourish, that will be evergreen. Start not just reading it like where you check it off the list in the morning. Hey, I'm a good Christian, but like start thinking about it and reciting it and rehearsing it and dwelling on it, chewing on it, repeating it. As you drive down the road, as you walk to class, start putting it not just from your eyes, but into your heart and it can guide you and it can encourage you. And so when the noise comes, when the pressure comes, when the temptation comes, you're like, no, I got a word. I got God's word. It's refreshing my soul. Don't just read the word, get under the word. So yes, build your life on it. But when you read this, when I read this, do we apply it to our life? Do we let this be the authority? Do we say, God, I, I know I, I, my life doesn't look like that, so I wanna get rid of that. I wanna look different because of that. I wanna start looking this, living this way because of that. This word, let it become the authority of your life. Some of you show up at church every single week stuck in willful sin. And you're like, I want some encouragement. I wanna feel a little bit better, but I don't even have to bring it up. You walk in every single Sunday going, there is a, a part of my life that is not under the authority of this word. And, and sure, we could go to lunch and I could finally find out what's going on and say, hey, that's not God's best for you. That's not what he has for you, but I don't need to do, I don't need to do that. You already know that. It's just taking the courage to say goodbye and to say no and start getting under this word as the authority for your life. Don't just read the word, teach the word. Anybody want Mike and come up here next week? Tell Pastor Lou you're gonna take the shot. You're like, no, 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 no. Teachers aren't just people that stand on stages. Actually, all of the believers are called to a, a place in their life and in the knowledge of the word that they could teach other people. It says in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He's writing to the church. Let it dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish each other, as you share God's word with each other. One of my favorite things about reading scripture is in the morning, 99 times out of 100, 
Wherever God's taking me on my journey through my reading plan, wherever I dig down into, I believe there's a chance, there's a, there's a great chance I'm gonna share that word with somebody else later in the day. So it wasn't just for me, it ended up being for somebody I crossed path, path with, with. It's a tough word. I need to be refreshed. Awkward pause. Do you feel like you can teach the word? It might be time for some of you. Doesn't mean you gotta get up here on stage, but through a connect group or through a soap journey, you just through people that you're interacting with, just start sharing the word of God with them. Don't just keep living off of milk, but go on to more maturity in the solid food where you're prepared to teach and share God's word. Let's not live our whole life in churches and under sermons and messages, but we're never able ourselves to share the word of God and explain it to people. That's why we have core. That's why we're trying to help you know this word so you can teach it. And to be honest, no amens here, but I'm gonna get more out of this than you are today. Because you know that, right? It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to like uh, write it down, which is very, very helpful. But once you start talking about it, like the best thing that you could be doing to know God's word is to start talking about God's word. Because yes, it helps you the person you're sharing it with, but it really helps it seal it up in your heart. And you're like, oh, now it's making more sense. I get it. I know it. So don't just read the word, teach the word. And then lastly, don't just read the word, but let's help the Bibleist people of the world get the word. And we're gonna talk a whole lot more about this in Passion City Church. This is gonna be something we're gonna continue to give and to pray and to work towards because there's 1.1 billion people around the world that don't have a copy of the scripture in their heart language. And so if you and I are saying, these are the words of eternal life, this is the voice of certainty. This is how we know God and his plans for our lives. If faith comes by hearing the word of God, then we've got to do our best, not just to get the word in us, but get to the word to the world. So let's not just read the word, let's get it to the world. And let's build our lives on this rock, this voice of certainty. And let's block out the noise and the lofty ideas that are passing fads, but let's build on the the enduring, sure, steady word of God. Those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those who trust in God's word, those who live by God's word will not be put to shame, will not be disappointed. Let's pray. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.